squared by Silvio P. That's me and E. Marquez. And we do phenomenal ethics. What's up, y'all? P.E. Squared Phenomenal Epics. I'm E. Marquez. I'm bringing you the man, the myth, the legend, Silvio. What's up, bro? What's going on, man? This is uh, this is some times we're living in, man. It's, uh, it's a tough subject here that I wanted to talk about. So, unfortunately, uh, everything's all right with me, thank God. But, you know, some things happen here, uh, and I wanted to get into it with you. So, thanks for checking. How about you, man? You doing all right? We're good. We're good. Uh, you're right. The the topic today is uh, it, it 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 hits home. It hit, I mean it it, is, it hits everyone, but uh, I it gets me more upset, and I'm not angry because I can't be because I still have to be composed, but. It gets me to a point where a, a state of confusion that leads into just it's just why it's just a question why because um we're talking about children here we want to get into yeah, we want to get into the Uvalde uh, mass shooting that was senseless it was pathetic it was stupid it's ridiculous and what I'm done with. I'm done with the condolences. No more. I can care less. For me, you start talking and saying condolences, I'm 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 stop listening is what it is. But not only I don't want to get into the mass shooting because you know, there's no reason to give that guy any type of our attention, but I do want to talk about you being law enforcement and military. I want to talk about the police response, which the theme here for me is good guys with guns. And they had a lot of them. So, as you know, Silvio, I've been a proponent against military style weapons. There's no reason to have them. Zero reason to have them. And if you have them, that means you want to kill people. That's what that means. Now, the Second Amendment needs to be amended. It needs to be revamped and changed. There's no militia that's going to go against the United States Army slash Navy slash Air Force slash Space Force slash Special Ops Marines. There's not going to happen. So the, it needs to be amended for right. One of the things that I heard was a privilege. It's a privilege to drive, but it's a right to hold a weapon. Okay. Concealed carry, handheld gun, defend your home like it's your country. Yeah, I agree with that. But what I don't agree with is the access to these things. And that's what it leads to. And the fight or the argument against me is what stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Take that and shove it up your penal hole. Because that is the stupidest shit. And... Psycholo psychology people we we've had and i think you've mentioned this there's been a run and and no news no news outlets talk about this but there's been a run of mental institutions shut down all across america and it's not a coincidence 
that coinciding with the shutdown of mental mental institutions that help people with mental problems and mental issues and mental illness, that there's been a wide a range of mass shootings and on top of that, suicides. So there's a connection and it's a huge connection, but I want to give it to you. I want to give you the floor. I'll let you say what you got to say about the whole ordeal. But when I come back in, I'm going to bring you a question about the police and the police response. So go ahead and uh, you can go ahead and uh, let me jump in. Let jump me in jump in. You, I give me your you, take, I, brother. Listen, I where do we start? Everything you bring up is so much to unpack. Uh, it's it's like writing an uh, an essay or. Uh, trying to put these things in the media talking points and, and all these other things. Uh, you bring up each and everything you bring up has its own, you know, diatribe. We can go on for hours on each thing you've mentioned. And uh, and the reason I say it that way is where do you that, that's where I think most of us in society are stuck right now is at the root of the issue. To me, people are trying to figure out where you point the finger. With the saying of, or the old cliche, what came first, the chicken or the egg? And where it rounds into this Uvalde thing, tragedy. It's, it's just beyond words of how tragic and, and it was this is disgusting. I mean, there, there are too many adjectives to use for it. Um, but where it comes into play is, for us as a society, to answer the question of what came first, the chicken or egg, you have to figure out, is it mental health or is it the access to weaponry? Or is it just the idea that we resolve our problems using some type of brute force? And you have to you have to give some credence to the idea that it's not the weapon. It's the individual. But if we keep giving the, the excuse of weapons aren't doing the killing, then we're losing sight of what this weapon in particular can do. And it's not just one weapon. Any weapon in which you can put in high capacity uh rounds and then high impact rounds kind of rounds that are designed to cause issues they're not designed for hunting they're designed to cause great bodily harm and most people who are using them are not thinking of bodily harm as in stopping they're thinking of bodily harm as in killing so whether you want to tell me you're using it for hunting or otherwise and then we keep going into these rabbit holes that just go circular round and round they go when the reality is what picks what makes any psychopath picks off targets you have countless mass shooting issues that we can talk about in which you have to look at the target they pick they didn't pick in some kind of installation filled with people who had weapons they picked what are called soft targets okay so then you're going to call that a mental health issue all right i disagree wholeheartedly i think we have a problem in this country where I revert back to the idea of the accessibility to these weapons. We should have had a system in place a long time ago, but when you follow the mighty dollar, you realize that it's too lucrative. And the you know risk-reward ratios, and, and I'm pretty sure there are plenty of, of, of courtrooms, if you will. There are pl plenty of legal analysts and, and people sitting around in these business rooms uh, talking to each other, and they're saying, okay, we've run the analytics, and here are the Here's the potential. You know, we're at 0.001 percentage that this particular weapon is going to be used 
in this way, in this way, and in this fashion. So let's just go ahead and make it accessible. And when that comes out, well, they can't sue us, so we don't have any issues. We'll be fine, and we can just put out the you know thoughts and prayers. At some point, we have to get away from that model. At some point, people have. Uh, because they, they find out or because I advertise that I'm prior law enforcement, they get upset with me and they'll say, oh, I guess what's next? Are we going to ban forks and spoons? Because, you know, a knife can be used as a weapon. A pencil can be used as a weapon. A car is used as a weapon. What are we going to do? Ban those next? It's not about banning them. What have we done? We've regulated each and every one of those examples that most people come up with. They've all been regulated. Could you have fashioned an axe, a knife, a bat? Countless things can be used as a weapon. A human being can be trained to have caused just as much damage or death. It can happen. That's not the point. The point is to say, let's be smarter about this as a society, as a whole. And so what I would bounce it back to you, because I don't, I don't want to go on too long and, and go down these, this particular rabbit hole for me, hits home in the sense of, I just don't understand the next part of what you bring up how the response goes down. And so when you said it was, it, it, it invoked some thoughts and some feelings, what, what's the next layer that, that you came to? So the first layer you mentioned that, that hits home for me is because I have young children. Sure. And sure. even if I didn't have young children, it hits home in the sense of how do you, how, how could you be cold blooded enough to say, well, not my neighborhood, not my problem, or I don't live in that state or I don't live in that area, uh, words to that effect. I mean, you can't be that cold-hearted. And if you are, you know, so be it. I guess it is what it is. But I don't understand how anyone out there couldn't be affected by the fact that it was children and innocent people. They're not; These are non-combatants. And, and let me just say it this way. Yes, I understand this happens in many neighborhoods, and, and it's tragic that, that there are so many, for, especially for those of us who live in Chicago and and whether Chicago's hyped up, I don't think so. I think other media outlets also hype up their own crime rate. Per capita, we do have some issues in the Chicago land area. And it tragically does happen that people do get killed in this amount of, of number, right? But you got to also understand and put a little bit of perspective this way. People who are dying, even if they're innocent you know, bystanders, because it can happen in my neighborhood. It can happen anywhere. People can just have an, uh, an issue and then come by spraying bullets and this innocent people do get uh, killed or caught up in that. Mm. But when you are talking about gang infested areas that are overrun by gangs, uh, it's not a matter of, you know, the people don't care. The people are living in a, in a war zone. Mm -hmm. So that's a little different than when you're talking about a Uvalde mass shooting where people went to school. That wasn't necessarily a war crime zone uh, and people were fighting over turf. And I'm not excusing one over the other. What I'm saying is that at the end of it, we should be outraged with the amount of killing that's going on. It doesn't matter if it's just Chicago specific or anywhere across the United States. We are, we're supposed to have this mantra, the land of the free, the promised land, those kinds of words. And we're, we're more concerned about how to get a hold of a weapon so that we can protect our home and then make chants and gatherings about, you know, come take my guns over my dead body. I mean, Really? You, you know, that's how we wanted to to make the forefathers dreams come true. You know, that, that all of a sudden we're living in a country where you're armed to the teeth because not only is the government coming for your weapons, but so is your neighbor. I mean, at right. what point do we draw the line here? I mean, why can't we right. live in a house where we just said, 
I leave the door open all the time. My neighbor, you know, is courteous to me. I'm courteous to him. You know, we don't get along. We don't talk, but we don't, we're not looking to kill each other anytime soon. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, what, what's the next layer that, that outraged you? I mean, I know you had a, you, you, you put a lot in there, so there's a lot to unpack, but so the children, obviously, number one, I'm with you, but number two, what's the next part that, that invoked some, cause I, I heard some, some anger towards the way the police responded, but what, what's your next layer? Uh, well, the one thing and, you know, I don't know, I don't know how it was or I don't know how it is, but the one thing that I caught bullshit on was that there was an Ovaldi police officer that had his wife as a teacher in that room. There is no way I can fathom. I'm no law enforcement. No, I'm not trained to use that weapon. No, I don't have, I didn't, I didn't, I don't have that, I didn't have that right or that privilege. To be able to protect my wife on that level. You mean to tell me that you're a professional, a professional police officer and you're standing steps away from your wife getting shot up by a teenager? I don't give a fuck. And I'm and I don't apologize for my language. I don't care if that motherfucker had a bazooka, bro. I don't care. I'm going in there for my wife. Why? Because I am her protector. I told her mom and her family that you don't have to worry about her safety at all. Why? Because I am the shield. If she was the two ladies that were the teachers in that room and they have the gentleman that look it i have nothing but respect for law enforcement and i know there's some shady and crooked and sissy cops but all cops always get my respect always when i initially meet them then when i get to know them and i know that they don't stand for that badge i have more respect for the dudes that get into that business that industry and all police officers and go to work 30 40 50 straight days and they don't get a break. And they got to work around the clock sometimes. And they come off and say, look, I did my four years, bro. But now I'm going to have to go to the academy. I'm going to have to be a teacher. I'm going to have to just, you know, be in the, in, in the office. I'm gonna, I already did my four years on the street, six years on the street, ten years on the street. I respect that. Because that badge says something else. When you're on the street, that's that badge. Too many times... Do I hear coppers say the main importance is getting home to my family? That's your main importance. I, I equate that to a professional sports player. The ones that want to win championships and the other ones that just want to get their all-star votes and get their personal accolades and get their personal goals. But this is life level. You're there. That badge says otherwise, bro. You know what? Your family signed off on that. You know what? You enjoy the taxpayers' dollars on that. You enjoy all the stipends and benefits of get, of, be, of being a police officer because of that badge. So you do your time on the street and in the line of fire. And you got to do it for your wife. If you hate your wife, that's one thing, bro. Sounds personal. But if you... 
That's my wife. Let me tell you something, bro. Ain't nobody holding me back. Ain't no. Are you kidding me? No, no, you can't go in there, Mr. Marquez. You know why? Oh, uh, you don't know what he's got. You know, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. Go through the window. Look at you guys at the windows. Yeah, tell me where he's at. Oh, he's behind the closet. Okay, bam. Three seconds. Throwing in some kind of gas mask, sometimes some kind of distraction. Getting in there, making sure he's he's over because I'm the professional. I'm the one that's put in the hours. I'm the one that's put in the time at my craft. Not that stupid ass little kid. And I'm getting my yeah. wife out of there. And I get my wife and then I help everybody else. And if my kids are in there and then the, these police officers stopping the parents from going in there. Look, I understand. You don't want to make the scene even more worse. You want to control. But you guys are standing there for an hour. An hour. There was one individual. I seen the video. One individual that went in, and he's going gung-ho, and he probably is not up to date with his training, but he's doing what that badge says. And he got shot. He got he got some uh, strap no scrap no strap trap no what's it called strap no off the strap no yeah. off the drywall that got him in the back of the head, and he had some injuries afterwards. But he was the only one. Everybody else was over there. One guy even grabbed sanitizer. They said he was the medic. Eh, I don't know. He grabbed sanitizer waiting behind the wall. Come on. I know this grammar school was set up. They were pulling kids out of the windows in the other classrooms. So this classroom had to have windows. So you have to distract this guy to get in there immediately. I just thought the whole thing was a farce. And then not only that, I didn't need to see the video. The first thing is I knew that the police jagged this off. They messed this up. The, the guy was still shooting while the police were in the building. Now, it's not all police. It's this whole department. This department needs to be revamped, redone. And that ain't no department that got defunded. They had all the works. All those long guns with the, what do they call them? The sniper, the red thing. I don't know. Some The guy called them a, a, a high beam, dream beam or something. And they, so you're, yeah, you're just referring to the equipment. I got the equipment. so they had the, in short, they had great equipment or at least fancy, yes. the most modern, whatever wording you want to call yes. it. Sure. Yes, and and one of the guys that I watched on YouTube, which is another part that I want to talk about, he's a former Navy SEAL or a special ops, and he talks about how to uh, CQB or CQM, how to get in and out of a situation, how to clear a situation, and he he go he went into detail. And he talks about you got that red light and you know where to put it and this and you should be trained. These guys had all that. And he called these these group, this group of police officers uh, gear for queers because that's what they are. They want to strap up with their Oakleys. They got wristbands. They got all the guns. They got the straps around their leg and whatever, whatever. But the point is, bro, my wife is not in there dying while I'm two feet off, two feet away. No, that's uh, the most. You know, I get you. I get your sentiment. And I know you're repeating people's words, but you know, I would, I'd backtrack enough just to say, you know, it, it's, you might want to call them Hollywood, Hollywood types. You know, these are people who, who dress the part, uh, but they're just acting. They don't, they don't actually get committed to what they do. And, uh, and I'll interject or jump in here just to say this. <clears throat> you, you, you started off on a, on the exact foot that most of us, uh, should. And that is, I wasn't there and I couldn't tell you exactly what happened. And then from there, you know, dot, 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 insert everything else because that's fair play. 
but you, you, you know, again, you're saying a lot of good things here and, and, and it's hard to put it in, you know, a couple of words, but it doesn't matter the amount of training that you've been through. There are very, 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 let me, let me figure out how to say very to infinity, very few individuals who can take training to a level that only we, we, you know, dramatize on TV or fantasize in conversations. Uh, but they, uh, you know, there's a reason why I, I very much idolize special forces types uh, when, when I was in the military, because I realized the amount of training that they had to go through was one thing, but it's the mental side of it that makes them become elite. And we don't even have realistically the amount of uh, resources, at least I don't right now, to put myself anywhere near in contact with. But you've, you know, you've seen some things and you've shared some things from YouTube. There are plenty of people out there who will talk about their time as an elite special forces operator. And there are probably just as many who won't. But to get to that level, there is a lot of, of stuff they have to go through, not to mention the training. And what I mean by stuff is the amount of mental capacity to handle that situation. So in this particular video, you're also talking about for you all day, there's a guy who pops in and it's unfortunate. His timing was unfortunate, but he is, whether he's a medic or not, he he's reacting. And I'm going to just try to give you a small perspective on what that means. You're trained to be a first responder, whatever your role is. And either you're good with the long guns, because that's what these weapons are, are called in law enforcement, and you can react with it and go to the threat. That is the current uh, standard across the board for most law enforcement. When you become involved in a mass shooting incident, you are to take whatever amount of forces you can muster, whether that's you know two or three or a small team, whatever number you can get, and you have to attack the site where you're hearing the fire come from. So part of the problem starts when you nitpick uh, law enforcement. Number one, training. Great. Number two, even if they are Hollywood types, do they have the right equipment? Number three, they can have all the right equipment they want. How well have they trained with it? How well do they know the training in order to get past just the training part of it? And so that brings me to my most important part, being prior, prior military police and or police or someone who had infantry training and, and got to the levels of uh, one day I'm going to perform this way. And so let me train for it. I was around plenty of Hollywood types. Uh, as a matter of fact, I can tell you of a, of a, of a scenario uh, on a short story level, if you will, but just a scenario that will paint the picture. I hope of what I mean by Hollywood types. I had gotten gear uh, prior to us going to train on the firing range and I put it on. And my buddies who were just there, in my opinion, to, I call them buddies, but they were people at the time who were buddies, who were there to just kind of get the thing over and done with, when they saw me, laughed. They were like, what are you doing with all this gear on? And I said, we're here to train. I'm training as if this is my mindset, as if I, I ever go into this kind of situation, I'm not going to go, man, I, I should have worn my, my knee pads or my elbow pads or I don't know how to shoot because I'm wearing gloves today. So you have to figure out that most of these people who responded to include the, the, the guy you see uh, reaching in on one video for, for hand sanitizer, he's just going through his daily, daily head. And he's trying to do that to calm himself would be my first guess. My first rationalization there is just to tell you 
That's what that person must have been doing in places he, he went where he would reach for the hand sanitizer. And the hand sanitizer is just to give him, that's what he does on the daily. That's his muscle memory. Do you get that? Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, if you're definitely. at work and, and, and you're, you got a hand sanitizer next to the, to the doorknob before you go into your job, your, your muscle memory will eventually be because you just started doing it. Let me hand sanitize before I turn the doorknob. Boom. I open the doorknob and I move on with my day. That's his muscle memory. So that's a reaction that I see when I watch that video, whether he's a, a medic or, or he's, he's just at the end of it. Remember my root issue here is he's just human. And so, like I said, I, I've listened to some of the videos that, that you've sent me or, or some of the opinions that were shared. Unfortunately, these some of these videos do make a very good compelling case to name call or belittle the people who responded. Uh, but keep in mind, you're right. There's also evidence shows that one of the responding officers had family in that building, not just the wife. Another one of the, the, the reports that I was uh, watching had the uh, Customs and Border uh, officer who responded, uh, Border Patrol, whatever. One of those one of the other officers that responded had his uh, family killed, or his, his children killed in there. Now, whether he responded in uniform or out of uniform, either way, uh, that that school was actually had a lot of children and families who were of, of Hispanic, if not Mexican, or Texan, Tex-Mex type of backgrounds, but their children were there, and their border cops in some way, shape, or form, a lot of them were law enforcement. And so when you look at the big ball of mess that happened there, yeah. to your point, so what bothers you the next layer, if I heard you correctly, was law enforcement's response. When you look at the big ball of mess there, what happened there was adrenaline pumping, humans doing whatever they thought. And to get the cordon, what's called the established control of the situation, you must have had so many moving parts that you had family attacking windows and taking children out, which wasn't necessarily a bad thing. But what that does for law enforcement is it confuses the hell out of them because they don't know what's going on. And if they come over, they're not going to necessarily shoot first because they realize you're dragging kids out. But if they don't know you, they're not, they're, they're responding to an active shooter. So you're like, well, what, what's the big deal, Javier? Why wouldn't they just help out? Why wouldn't they do more? Why wouldn't they hop into the window? Because part of what the problem is, whether you're a Hollywood type or an intense guy who's going to go in there at the end of the day, you're just going to become another dead body. And so you also have to kind of pump down that adrenaline. And here's the best, if not the, the, the worst of my training throughout my time in this kind of career field. How do you measure? How do you keep your, your adrenaline from spiking? And then how do you go into these situations and breathe through the situation when you don't train on it every day? Sure. And so when you sent me some of the videos, just to give you some perspective, you're talking about some elite force members on that scale and some of the ones you sent me versus just everything called border border tack um border tack i think those are the border patrol tactical guys that are supposedly the the, tactical guys they're federally the probably the most trained out of any like civilian or any uh police unit in 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 the in the in the country And those, even those guys had issues. So when you're talking about how do 77 minutes go by? And if anyone listening to me thinks I'm trying to excuse it in any way, shape or form, let me be clear. I'm not because 77 minutes to me of heartbreak is what that caused. Yeah. That caused just 
endless amounts of, of conversation with my kids uh, and then trying to realize that, the you know, I didn't need to talk to them at length about it because that's my trauma. And to think that you have family out there who who's going to or people out there whose families are torn apart and how long term this will affect them. At the end of the entire point I'm trying to make is that 77 minutes or otherwise, anything less than getting in there to end the threat is unacceptable. And that didn't happen. And so you can say, well, what happened? How did it happen? And why did it happen? And you can nitpick it to bits and pieces. And obviously, the answers have already been kind of put out there because we're, we're talking about this, this issue that happened a long while ago now. And yet it's, it's just, it feels like yesterday. Mm-hmm. It, it's just, it was a, it was a letdown. And the people, I hope just some of the people who will hear me out here on this, I don't know what's going to make you scared and how you're going to react to that fear. Just like you'll never know how I'll react to my fear. But when the bullets fly mm-hmm. and the noises start, it's a different animal. When you hear things zip past you or something impact you, it's a different animal. And unless you train every day in that setting, a an everyday police officer who patrols the streets and wears a uniform, and God bless them every day, but most of them are not trained to go into that kind of scenario and 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 simply get in there and do what they have to. And you really, you know, it's a big deep level conversation because for a long time, even I'm on board, I don't want to militarize police. I'm prior military police and I had that training. I've probably had better training and that's no insult intended, but on average, I've probably had better training in my lifetime than your average civilian police officer. So that's why the conversation needs to be had of, well, what happened to the tactical response and so on and so forth. So there were a lot of mistakes made in there, but you know, if it's a burning building, most humans would say, okay, I got it. I understand the threat and they run for it and they'll try to risk their lives even if they die in the process. Mm-hmm. But when it's a, a disastrous, uh, and, and, and another thing, I don't know if you've ever uh, either fired a weapon or, or not to put you on the spot, but Never. if you've ever taken a, a firecracker uh, or some type of firework or have ever been exposed to an area where there are a lot of fireworks, but you've got a lot of, of, of walls or buildings around it's amazing to know how the dynamic of that sound changes right the speed of sound is an interesting uh beast to handle in and of itself and so when that weapon is making the boom booms as i like to dumb it down and the boom booms are happening that boom boom resonates off of lockers walls drywall drop ceilings floor your partner next to you and all of a sudden you can't evaluate where that noise is coming from so some of the hesitation that you'll see in these videos where these guys are the hollywood types they got all the good stuff they're just not moving forward the reason is that if they get a casualty as that what let's say that the one person you know gets let's call it gung-ho that person's a go-getter and they're like forget it i don't need the clearance i'll take the, the repercussions i'm getting in there and all of a sudden they're shot now you have also put the next guy behind you at risk. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I agree with you. My heart would tell me who cares if that were me and I'd gotten shot next man up. That's just how it should be. It is what it is. And, and if I die in a line of fire, well, in many ways, that is what I signed up for. But most your average everyday police officer, please, you know, find another police. Officer. We, we've got plenty we can interview. 
Ask them if they ever filled out or read any part of their contract that said they should take bullets or they should be beaten on, spat at, sworn, mistreated, or abused, and or expecting to die. Your average police officer in most environments, that's nowhere near your mindset and it's nowhere near your contract. That's true. Most of them go in, they're just carrying a badge and a gun, and they're hoping to provide law and order. And what bothers me when you have those types who come around with this law and order mentality is that they'll come back with, well, it's more important that I go home than the people I protect. Right. Well, hold on a second. Why would you go down that hole? Why would you Why would you be in that kind of conversation or the I'd rather be judged by 12 and carried by six? None of that that, that mentality. And it's unfortunately very pervasive across the nation. But in law enforcement, it's very pervasive because at some point you've dehumanized the community you've tried to take care of so much so that the training you get from the FTOs and the people who've been there before you, they start to get in your head and they just start to tell you, listen, son, or listen, officer, it's more important that you go home to your family than it is for you to get involved into some of these issues. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe when you look at it, getting involved in some of these street issues or issues that, that are going to be here before and after you wear your gun and badge, sure, I guess that makes sense. But when you're talking about a mass shooting incident or responding to crime at that level, you know, you've got to put some of that in perspective and realize, to your point, how am I going to respond? And, and it's heartbreaking to think, number one, that family was in there in any way, shape or form. And then how do you how do you work around that? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. I, I, I understand completely that, you know, um, what I was saying too. you know, the other thing on top of that is the training, the training is where it's at. Right. So the training is huge. And that brings me to another point. Well, the other point that I wanted to bring up was that the uh, training. So all, all, all you phenoms know that I use everything when I do um, kind of comparisons or, excuse me, I do sports is my analogy. So coaches coach, players play. And yeah, this is life. I understand this is life or life-defining moments. You have to be able to judge when you're gonna take a, when you're gonna take a stance, and when you're not gonna take a stance as a police officer. So, when you go into this element, when you go into this world, or you know this fight or the situation, you gotta know that you're gonna go in. You gotta know. You gotta have it. And and like you said, you can get as much training as you want. Or like Mike Tyson famously said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face, and that's what it is. So coaches coach, players play, and that's the distinct. But in, in law enforcement, you got some coaches and you got some trainers that are masters and they can still play and they can still get in the fight. And I just feel like these players, these pl- these police officers, these uh, you know frontline guys, they just don't take their training seriously. And that's what happens now. I do want to get into a part. We already seen that. You already heard my disdain. There's no, I'm not, I can't critique them because I don't know. You know, 10 times more than me regarding, or 100 times more than me regarding military police, police, all the law enforcement stuff. I'm not going over, I'm not interested in learning what they should have done and what they shouldn't have done. But I do want to talk about the people critiquing them. I want to talk about the the hindsight is twenty twenty people. 
Sure. They're talking about these people go off and just rant and rave on how they didn't do their job. This is appalling. This, this, this and that, that and this. And of course, you have your Republicans, your hard line Republicans that are in the packet. They're in the pocket of the gun gun lobbyists and gun enthusiasts. Oh, good guys with the gun beat bad guys with the gun. Well, we've seen that not to be true. And we've seen that it's taken longer than what it should have. Look, at, I understand the nightclub incident in, in, in Orlando, which I was appalled of, that I was upset about. But it's late at night. It's in the dark. They don't have they don't know what's going on Yeah, They don't know the layout of that place. Sure. Why they're going to take time and they know, oh, my God, there's hostages or there's people locked up in there with the shooter. That's understandable. But they went in there. They made a plan and they got them out and they were able to get the shooter here. Daylight, many outlets, they used one, which, again, the structure of that building should tell you the, these out of date, out of date structures need to be fixed there's no reason why that door should have just had one little slit of window it should have been a full-blown window that door should have been a glass door there's no reason why schools should be enclosed with thick-ass well, walls hold on a second before you you go too far down that that point so there are standards right so i'm liking the fact that you can recognize that and i obviously i agree with you there'll be there'll be too many of us sitting around talking hindsight but the reason that those walls and those doors exist that way is that there's supposed to be a standard right so there's a security standard that slit is actually a very good door to have in that scenario because it makes it easier in theory to lock the door and then not have a perpetrator an offender or someone who's looking to to kill people be able to get through that slit. So if the window was bigger or the classroom had access to a bigger styled window, there could be more damage done because there's it's easier to get into, just so that you can keep that in perspective. Sure. No, I, understand. I don't disagree with you. You no, know, there's but it's obviously outdated. different doors. It's obviously outdated. Well because when the guy got actually, in there now there's a problem. Well yes, but that that's actually a newer standard. It's a depending on the door obviously you know I'm not there to review their or, I get or your point, about, but just about, so you know. How about instead of putting the door like that 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 goes back behind the wall, get the door mm -hmm. out in front. So you know how it looks like it looks like there's a cave. The door mm -hmm. is in like you gotta go and you're like almost enclosed and then you open the door. I guess it's not to open the door in the hallway so then it hits people walking in the hallway. You got that little you got what looks like a closet and then you go into the room, right? Well, bring the door out more so then that way it's it's uh, accessible to law enforcement or or why don't we just have a door that belongs to law enforcement or to like safety protocols on getting somebody out. You got to do something because once this guy got in there and it's proven, once this guy right. got in there, it was done. You know, let's get away Let's get away from this point real quick, though. For me, sure, I, sure. you no, can no, keep. No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. 
Here's what here's what aggravated me because you had an idiot like Ted Cruz kind of go down this rabbit hole and, and you brought up Republicans and I'm just going to call the idiots out by by best names that I know or even heard. But you had many an idiot talk about uh, equipment and changes and then arming teachers. And oh, so God, and, and I don't want to steal from your thunder there, but that's exactly the same phrase that irritates me. You're blaming everything but the weapon industry. Why is it that we can sue auto manufacturers when they have faulty equipment or their equipment causes a safety issue? Why do we regulate the hell out of the food industry, the auto industry, you know, pharma to some extent, agriculture? I mean, all these big corporations that are regulated to, to all get out, but we don't have enough regulation to combat these issues for uh, the weapon industry. It's not that we couldn't. It, it's, it's an industry that you can't sue. So you can't sue the manufacturer of that weapon that causes the mass destruction, but you can sue the city, the federal, you can sue all these other yeah, bits and pieces. Yeah, that's just, that's you know, just so stupid. That, that's why I wanted to interrupt you only to say, you're for me, you're hitting on a phrase that pays, literally. A good guy with a gun isn't always going to be capable of stopping a bad guy with a gun. If you go as far back as the 80s, where there was uh, technically wasn't known as a mass shooting then, but the, there were bank robbers in L.A. who used high-powered, high-capacity weapons, and they were also uh, covered in in uh, armor. And so, granted, this was a special case. They even made coverings for their feet. They were wearing, you know, lead masks. They had gone all out to cover themselves and be practically Iron Man. And why? because they knew that they could get away with causing damage because they had better weaponry than the police. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now the controversy starts even for as far back as then and say, well, we've got to change the amount of weapons that and how. And so all those changes started to happen. You started to have police officers carrying high powered shotguns. You started to have them carrying long weapons with high capacity. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you know, again, dissect for me is where I keep going down this rabbit hole. What came first, the chicken or the egg? And you got to understand that we don't, you know, it doesn't matter the style door. Why aren't we talking about the fact that if you do away with mental health institutions, yeah. what if the first time this guy got visited by the police officers, whether in his teenage years or otherwise, because he was obviously still a teenager when he committed this. But when the first interaction, this is why, you know, again, I'm not necessarily supporting one party or the other, but this is why I get it. It's piss poor marketing. Terrible propaganda, but this is exactly why you need to defund the police, because a police officer is not a social worker. And so when the police officer shows up and has a problem and realizes, OK, there's no law enforcement here for me to execute. I can't arrest anybody. I can't cite anybody. But there clearly is a problem here. Let me call in Javier Hotshot, who says he thinks he knows stuff about social work. Come on in. You deal with this nutcase. And yeah. when that social worker shows up and he goes, oh, wow, I guess this police officer is correct. This person has some mental health issues. And that's all I mean by the word nutcase. That's not to, to degrade anybody. It's just that's the police officer's reaction. You come in as a social worker and you're not that that way. You look at this person and you say, oh, wow, this person is a human being. They have issues and I'm not capable of handling it as a social worker. I'll tell you what. I'm going to call Eric, who's a great doctor. He's a great psychologist, and we're going to get him in touch with this person. We did away with all that. We defunded those programs. We no longer have those resources. Why? Because people start talking about, oh, I'm not doing that with my tax money, and why do I have to do all this is why. 
This is why you pay into those social programs so that when someone who you deem to be a threat to society, you could say there are resources for them. Well, I and that's what we should be putting people forward into. What, what I don't I don't I don't think it should be defund the police. What what it is, it should be the police should be expanded. It should be expanded. The, the police should be expanded to include these uh, individuals, sure. these professionals. So you don't defund, just allocate the funds elsewhere so they have that. And let's start defunding prisons. Let's start getting rid of the low crime guys or the ma marijuana guys and the heroin addicts and all these people. And let's open up these institutions that help mental health. Not, not the institutions from, from, uh, Skull Island or from where they used to do lobotomy and stuff like that. No, right. the new wave institution <laughs> sure. where, you know, they have mental subjects and mental subjects can be mental illness, could be, uh, you know, depression, it could be suicidal. But the thing is, is now you're getting the professionals that are helping these people. And then there's a lot of people that have mental issues. That are brilliant. Look at the amount of police officers now that are committing suicides. They would be part of those programs. We have to make those to programs. Tell you, yeah. We have to make those programs and be make it part of the police. So therefore, the police are not looked at as bad guys or as guys that right, right away when you immediately see them, they're oh, you know what? Don't trust the police. Sure, but now you have an expanded role of the police of the the, the department. I, you know, whether you whether you call it refund, defund the uh, police. And let me just interject it this way. I, I hear where you're going with that. And I would agree with it. A lot of programs started a long while ago. And again, you know, before my lifetime type of numbers. But let's go back as far as the 80s. In the 80s, people started to see these problems. And their answer was to fund the police to the hilt. And police departments didn't take advantage of the psychology or the mental health aspect. They took advantage of becoming more Hollywood. So they got more fancy toys, more fancy weaponry, yeah. more fancy vehicles to respond to these situations because they started to. I was talking to uh, two quick points I'll make for you. I was talking to one buddy who's in, psych, in, the, in the field of psychology, um, and I wish we could get him in, a, in on an interview. But he, he made an expression that I've heard before as well. When you train someone to be a hammer and that everything they see is a nail. What kind of response do you think they'll get when you send them into a situation? They're trained to be a hammer. They're trained that everything they encounter is a nail. They're just gonna hammer away at the nail. That's what police are like. Yeah, sure, and but- And then I was talking- Uh-huh, go ahead, sorry. And then, uh, no, no, it's fine. Uh, uh, I want you to interrupt me, but I just wanna make this other point. And then I was talking to another uh, buddy or conversation, if you will, having it with someone who then lets me know he's in law enforcement. And all of a sudden, as the more he talked, the more he tried to articulate, unfortunately, the worse the conversation got for me, because then it just sounded like this guy was, was somebody who not only was power hungry, but who had a bit of a, of an issue himself that needed mental health. And so when I say defund the police, we're saying the same thing, but we're saying it again, I call it poor propaganda. You, you know, if you expand the police, Sure, that has some issues. But if you create something, and there's no perfect answer, but I, I hear you and I agree with you, there has to be a better balance to where we could say, in the structure of police, we also have a mental health unit that responds to these calls. 
and that the police are there and the mental health unit is there. Yeah. And if in that mental health unit you have some weight to it, you know what I mean, some power behind it, because sure. that gun and badge gives people a lot of power. So if you have somebody who's who's let's say a an old school cop who used to be 15, 20 years deep on it, however the number would be, but he's he or she has been trained as a police officer and now they've got this special title of someone who knows how to identify mental health issues because they've been through the training, they've got certifications, so on and so forth. And they're there with a social worker. They go up to the scene. They realize that, uh, you know, Officer Javier is getting all crazy. And, and all of a sudden, and literally, that's the best word to use. And you go, oh, wait a minute. This, this officer is responding and he's using, you know, excessive force or he's got a mental health issue. Instead of threatening Officer Javier's livelihood, you give him the opportunity, just like you would anybody else who works in an environment where there's some stress, and you're going to say, we prevented you from having a horrible moment here. You have to go through training. And they, yeah. you know, granted, these programs have already existed, by the way. Uh, that's what creates all these new fancy terms in HR of zero tolerance, because people have tried. They've given sensitivity training. There's all sorts of programs that have been, you know, good intentions, but have failed because it, it's as you said at the beginning. Some people just won't take the training. It doesn't that's, matter what career field. You know what I mean? That's the thing. And you can you, give people great tools, but but yeah. but when you when your when your buddy said that when you teach when you teach them to be the hammer, the problem is they're missing the nail, and they're missing mm -hmm. the nail. And and the nail is not necessarily the bad guy. They're just messing up. They're messing up. They're they're hitting the nail sideways. They're not hitting it flush, and it still it still takes a uh, amount of training but the same token if you expand it i mean look at again i have to resort to sports but the layman the regular sports fan thinks that that organization that football organization has an owner a president a general manager a head coach and a football player that's what they think the structure is but if you see the best organizations the ones that win championships the ones that are always making more money than the rest of the teams in the league they have an owner a president slash CEO, a general manager, assistant general manager, a manager, a general, a manager of scouting, a manager of scouting to, uh, for collegiate level, uh, a, a head coach, a quarterbacks coach, an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, DB coach. They have a structure, and it expands, and then it gets to a level where you go with the medical. Now they they're forced to go to medical, but you're adding strength and conditioning. Then you're having, then you have mental health. Then you have, you, you, you have your nutritionists. Then you have your doctors and then your physical therapists. So all these organizations are creating machines. They're creating systems. Well, the police need to create a system. They need to create a system. And that's when it gets to, that's what it gets down to. And they can still do that. They have the resources. I, I think I like what you what you how you draw in the comparisons, right? I like it so much that I would tell you, in fairness, there are probably more good departments out there, departments who have uh, that kind of structure that you're highlighting in terms of a, uh, the you know equating it to sports. Yeah, there are probably plenty of agencies out there that run that well, right? But unfortunately, and, and I'll end it with this. My point of view is this: when you're talking about like we were today. Uh, in particular, we, and we, I'd be happy to revisit it in another way as well. But this is about Uvalde and how these people are going to suffer. 
And at the end of the day, I'm even horrified to think what some of those police officers uh, who responded might be going through and then someday themselves be forced to think about suicide or other issues uh, if it gets to them that way. But this is going to cause a lot of us issues for for many uh, for many of us, I suppose, a lifetime Uh, and for others, maybe not. You know, other people have moved on from it. And, uh, you know, and they're focusing more on, on some type of other issue. And I get it. At some point, you can't just focus on the pandemic's bad. We're all dying. Let's move on. Let's think about something positive uh, or words to that effect. And the reality is that's, that's who we are as a society. Tragedy happens. We don't want to be mired by, by the pain that it causes to keep thinking about it or keep talking about it. Uh, I wouldn't even be surprised if our, some of our own phenoms have either tuned us out or won't tune us in on this particular channel uh, or or epic simply because it's it's something that they just don't want to deal with anymore. You don't want to keep dealing with the negativity. You and I have talked about it uh, when it comes to the pandemic. You were, in my opinion, not to label you, but you were one of these people who I uh, heard your messaging to say, I'm done with the pandemic. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I don't want to hear about it anymore. And And the reality is, pandemic is what it is it's it's there we can't ignore it and the more we do ignore it the more it's going to create variants and well where are we we've got pandemic issues still happening we've got what i believe is a a, a crisis of of healthcare uh, because you're not offering people the mental health or otherwise that they need and is there a simple solution to it no what you know could i go on for hours and hours with you and and you and i can do that i mean there's a reason why we started podcasting because we can talk forever about it and maybe in circles and maybe we articulate it well i you know i'm glad for you to listen out there uh, uh phenoms but i want to invoke enough thought to ask the question as a whole why do these tragic issues happen and keep happening and then we just let it keep going I'm old enough. I'm 46 years old and God willing, I'll see another 46 years. But in those 46 years, it doesn't seem like life is getting any better. Mm. And that's the real question I'm asking at the end of this. Why aren't we getting our, why aren't we evolving? Why does it seem like we're moving backwards in time as an American society, as an American westernized culture, doesn't matter what color we are, what race, creed, all that stuff. Our culture is starting to say, It's okay for us to have mass shootings. It's okay for us to be, you know, reverting back to racism and elitism and social classism. Why? And that's my, that's my deeper concern. So I'm glad you brought this up, man. Unfortunately, it's a tragic issue that, uh, that I hope we'll we'll talk about on other layers as well. But that's my two cents, brother. Thanks for bringing it up. There you go, Silvio. Doing the Silvio things. I'm E. Marquez. This is P.E. Squared Phenomenal Epics. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you on the flip.